Hello, and welcome to Sundays at Coastal. This week, Pastor Andy preaches a sermon titled, God is Never Tired of Choosing You, from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. The Holy Spirit's role is to guide and support individuals in their spiritual journey, encouraging them to continually surrender and grow. This process of transformation is ongoing, symbolized by the idea that we are always under construction. The Holy Spirit is a constant presence in our lives, offering guidance, healing, and assurance that God has not finished working on us. Despite our doubts and imperfections, we are chosen by God, and we should accept His love in our brokenness. Uh, If you are new or visiting with us this morning, welcome. We are so glad you're here. It takes courage to show up to a church for the first time. It takes no courage to watch online, Uh, but we love you and... It doesn't. It's, it's not bad. It, uh, no, no, there's no shame. Takes courage to keep on watching, right? Clicking's easy. Staying's hard. We love you. Mwah. Uh, and God, Joe, your snarkiness is the blood of Jesus between me and Joe now. Um, no, that's all me. I take ownership for that. Uh, if you are, we're like this every week. So uh, if you're visiting, welcome. Uh, we're so glad you're here. Um, we have, uh, we, every week we describe and proclaim our vision because we want to be a church that is led by a vision rather than a celebrity. The only celebrity here is Jesus. Amen. So this comes from Isaiah 61, uh, where Jesus, when he is preaching his own hometown, he unravels the scroll of Isaiah. And for the first time, he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the broken captive, uh, bind up the brokenhearted, to set captives free, to give sight to the blind. And so that's why we believe that there is always hope beyond our brokenness. Always. No matter where we are in our life, there is always hope beyond our brokenness. You are loved and wanted right now, just as you are. Amen? And then later on uh, in that passage of Isaiah, God talks about how he's going to build us up into becoming people that are like oaks of righteousness, where our roots go deep into him and our covering is large and we provide shade and life with our faith. And that's why we're called to trust in our risen Savior, that the life that you have of trusting Jesus, you need to know he's with you every step of the way. That God is the one bringing fruit in your life through the power and presence of His Holy Spirit. Right? The fruit of the Spirit is not the fruit of your sweat. Yeah? It's the fruit of God in your life. God does more while you sleep than while you wake in your own heart. It's true. And then what do we do as a response not because we're perfect, not because we've got a seminary degree, not because we got it all together, not because we have perfect theology, not because we managed to string string together three days where we didn't sin. Right now, we bring restoration. Does that make sense? We bring restoration right where we are right now. Margie got to bring restoration this week. And your daughter's Lilia, right? Lily? Lily? And she got to lead worship at Celebrate Recovery on on Friday. Yeah, because that's what happens when we are responding to the overwhelming love of God that is poured through us. We want to make a difference. We want 
to join Jesus in his resurrection work. Amen? Amen. So that's what we believe, and each one of those truths has a choice that we get to make every single day. So we're going to declare this choice together like we do every week. So can we say this together? Can we declare? Can we choose this together? And if you're online, yell it out. Wake people up in your house or scream it out in your car if you're listening or while you're on a walk on the beach and it'll be triumphant. Ready? Are you ready? Today, I choose to be changed by Jesus. I choose to seek Jesus first. And I choose to join Jesus in his resurrection work. Amen? Amen. So, can I have permission to speak to your heart of hearts today? Yes. Would that be all right? Yes. Now, every week I share with you what God does in me as he pulls me through these passages. And today's no different. I want you to know I have a very good therapist. It's not you. But I also want to share authentically from the heart. And I want to share with you about the things that have been really important to me that I've been learning a lot recently. And it's all applicable to today's passage. And so if you'd be willing, stay with me. That'd be okay? Okay? Um, Here's the heart of the message. Um, Like, no surprises. Are you ready? Here it is. It goes like this. God is never uncertain about choosing you. Ever. Now, I know that seems like a simple enough truth, and it's not, but it's easily forgotten. And so Paul is going to repeat this truth over and over and over and over and over in the first chapter of the book of Ephesians. And when we read the book of Ephesians, sometimes it feels like Paul's just like throwing on metaphor after metaphor after metaphor like he's building an Italian sandwich, right? (laughs) Give me some soppressetta and capocola and gabagool and pep salami and, you know... Just on and on and on and on. And when we read it, our minds, you know, we, we kind of lose consciousness for a moment and we forget what the... Like we can't hold on to that many things all at once. And so in today's sermon, I'm only preaching a couple of verses because I want to help you see all of the things that Paul is stacking together. And at the heart of it, as he stacks this all together, this is what he's saying. Say it out loud. God is never uncertain about choosing you, ever. If you're here with someone today, touch them, squeeze them, say, God is never uncertain about choosing you, ever, ever, ever. So where are we in this letter? Well, not very far. I mean, only verse 11. So, you know, it's taken us six weeks to get there. So uh, it's only two, actually. Uh, Two weeks ago, Paul says you're holy and blameless. You're you're a saint. And we talked about how sainthood is not what we do, but what God has done for us. It's uh, It's a gift. God has made us holy. God has made us blameless. And last week, we told us, uh, Paul told us that our Heavenly Father has chosen a good and beautiful destiny and destination for us. That's called pre-destination, right? That there is a destiny and a destination that God has already chosen for us because He loves us. And that every broken moment and every broken piece of our heart 
will re be redeemed in his presence in heaven for all eternity. Amen? We are going to be whole. And the, the, Paul says that the mystery of the gospel is this, that, that Jesus gathers and unites all things unto himself. Every part of you, all of you, he, you that's his desire, that's his goal, to unite you with him. Right now, God is working to gather every single broken thing in your life and make you whole and united to him. That's what he's doing right now. And I know what you're thinking. Hurry up already. <laughs> the process matters. We'll talk about that today. Paul then continues hammering home this truth to our hearts, which is easily forgotten and we struggle to believe, but let's declare it together anyways. Ready? In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, blah, 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 right? It's like, so when we read this, all of a sudden our, you know, it's like, Squirrel, oh, I got to get stuff for groceries. What I should probably look up highlights of the Colorado versus Colorado State game, right? Like that's what we think when we read this because we can't like wrap our arms around it and hold it all together all at once. So can I spend a couple minutes just explaining what this looks like? First phrase, in him we were also chosen. So guess what? Jesus chooses you. Jesus chooses you now whether you showered or not this morning. <laughs> Take a breath and let it sink in. Jesus wants you right now, all of you. The will of God is for Jesus to have you. Not the good parts, only without the bad parts, all of you. The plan of God, the action of God, the working of God is to love you, to bring you close to himself, to save you. So what, is, what does God want? We often think about that. Oh, just peace, right? God wants peace on this earth. Maybe God wants life. Um, maybe God wants to end evil. The answer to all of those things is yes, absolutely. God wants all of those things. But those are all secondary byproducts of the result of God's first and principal desire, which is to gather you and unite you to his very heart. Does that make sense? Anybody ever celebrated Christmas here? Maybe once or twice? Okay. Is the point of Christmas the gifts? Absolutely. Absolutely it is. 100%. Right? Thank you, Stuart. Like, that's the only reason why we want it. Just cold, hard greed. Yes? Materialism religialized. I think I, I, think I just made up a new word. Re religialized. Right? Uh, why are the gifts there? 
Very simple. The gifts are there because you are there. You don't put gifts to me under your Christmas tree. Hasn't happened once. You can start this year. Feel free. But unless I'm coming over to your house, ain't no gift under your tree labeled Pastor Andy. Okay? The gifts under your tree are there because you are there. Yeah? But why are you there? Oh, why are we celebrating the gifts there? Because the story of Christmas is that Jesus is your gift. Why did he come close? To unite you with him. Listen, when you have a friend, uh, C.S. Lewis that says that friends are made by our shared interests or our shared um, experiences. There's two words that start a friendship every single time. These are the two words that start a friendship. Are you ready? Goes like this. You too? Not the band. Or you also? When you find something you like, when you find something you've experienced, when you share the same heartache, when you share the same passion, when you share the same experience, when you share the same family dynamics, when you share the same interests, you say to your friend, or you say to that person, oh, you too? And then a friendship is started. Does that make sense? In every other religion, you cannot say that to God. God has no idea in every other religion what you're experiencing because God is out there like that awful Bed Mittler song, God is watching you from a distance, right? And we're down here, except for Jesus. Every pain, every heartache, every sorrow, every abandonment, every, every difficulty, every problem in families, every pain in your body, Jesus has experienced. And you can say to him, you too? Because that's the point. Look, has anybody ever outsourced an engagement? When you got engaged, did you tell the person that you wanted to marry, did you have somebody else do that? No, that, that's dumb, right? Why? Because when it comes to love, you do that in person. Yeah? And that's why Jesus is here with us, not only so that we can say you too, but because when it comes to love, he does it in person. And you might say, oh, yeah, Andy, that's great. Okay, God loves me, and he's joined me, and he can, so that I can say you too, and he loves me, and it's done in person, and he's chosen me. So why do bad things happen? Why is the world falling apart? Why did Seahawks lose last week? Why is my body falling apart? Why, why this diagnosis? Why is my marriage in shambles? Why are my finances non-existent? Why, why am I sick? Why can't I get better? Why does this dynamic keep on happening in me? What the heck is going on? Why doesn't God just step in and prevent all these bad things from happening? And here's the reason. 
God doesn't take away your free will or my free will. Now, I want God to take away all of your free will (laughs) so that I can tell God what you should do. And then we'd never have any budget concerns and there'd be all the volunteers that we need and your life would revolve around me. Yeah? That's not how it works. God gives you free will and me free will. And then here's a delightful thing we've all experienced. When someone else frees will, wreck, frees free will wrecks my life. I mean, we're used to us wrecking our own lives, but then when other people do it, that's a whole new level of fun. Yeah? But God doesn't take any of that away. He gives all of us freedom. Being a Christian doesn't mean that all your pain goes away, but here's the truth you need to hold on to this morning. Next slide. God will use every moment of victory and every moment of disaster to unite you to himself. That's what it means to be chosen by Jesus. Nothing, nothing, nothing that we go through, good or bad or boring, the grind or the victory or the tragedy All of it God will use to get close to you because he loves you. Now, I got to pray for a couple in our church, Christina and Gary. Christina and Gary got baptized this summer, gave their lives to Jesus. They're an amazing couple. They come to second service. And Christina has stage four cancer. It's in her bones. It's in her liver. It's in her brain. Um, uh, some metastasized breast cancer. Um, and uh, Gary um, is a, a wonderful man, but tough as nails. Uh, and th- they were praying, and, and they both, when they got baptized, both of them got baptized instantly, like their life was started to change for the better. And so last week, Christina was getting a PET scan and an MRI to find out whether or not the third round of uh, a brand new treatment that she's in trial for, one of the few people in the nation getting this, whether or not it was going to work. Otherwise, it was going to be, let's say goodbye to our seven-year-old boy and uh, start planning the funeral. And so, um, so we're there and we're praying and they're like, man, Gary, it feels like you got like a, like a, just this grief. It's almost like a spear of grief going through your chest. And so I prayed for that and prayed for fear to leave and, and prayed for hope and life. And it was a very simple prayer, like that was it. And then we just, and then I left. It took 11 minutes, like from walking in the door, hi, hello, to leaving. And um, the next day they got the results and the treatment's working. And uh, she, she's in remission. Uh, but that wasn't what they were most excited about. Uh, what they were most excited about was that when, um, when they woke up the next morning, um, every single picture in their home was off. T- 26 pictures in their home was off. And they said, what is this? And God said to them, when those things left your house, now I'm beginning to rearrange everything. And this is what our God does. 
out of whatever we're going through, God will bring life. And it's going to be hard. Like, it, just because God brings life doesn't mean the cancer treatment feels fantastic. Right? Just because like, God's bringing life in the middle of your chaos, but the repentance is still painful. It's still confusing. It's still disorienting. That's okay. We're human. God's not our heroin dealer. Right? Where I say, oh, Jesus, take away all of my pain. That's not how God, God isn't trying to make you less human. He's trying to give you all of your heart back. And the doorway in your heart, which opens for joy to come through, is the same doorway that pain comes through. If you shut the doorway, then nothing comes through. So you, you get to experience all of life. That's what it means to be a human. The truth is this, our Heavenly Father runs after you wherever you are. Jesus joins your mess and comes close. Declare this with me. Read it out loud. Jesus pays for my rebellion with his death and then blesses me with his resurrection life. Louder. All to bring me close to himself. God never tires of choosing you. Ever. When you're fallen, when you're broken and hurt by others, when you're confused and died in a pile, he never gets tired of choosing you, ever. God wants all of you. Why? Because when he draws you close to himself, that's when you are healed. And when you draw, he draws you close to himself, that's when you know that you're wanted and fully loved and worthy of love. That's when you discover your value. That's when all of a sudden you start understanding and having clarity about, you know what, I don't need to be in a codependent relationship. And you know what, that's just, no, I'm killing myself with this behavior. No, no, no. See, when you get close to Jesus, all of a sudden your worth gets discovered. And then all of a sudden, all of your patterns of rebellion and anger and frustration and rage and resentments and selfishness, you all go, this is death. I'm eating from a dumpster. I'm worth more. But you'll never know that if you're separate from God. Does that make sense? So five times in one verse, in him, chosen, predestined to the plan, who works out everything with the purpose of his will. Five times in one verse, Paul stacks the truth, the truth, the truth, the truth, the truth, which I just did to you. I gave you five examples. You picking up what Paul's putting down? He never tires choosing you, ever. He's got a plan and he's working it out. Picking up what Paul's putting down? Can, can we do verse 12? It's going to take another 45 minutes. Here we go. Are you ready? Read with me. In order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ... Blah, 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 blah. What does this mean? Here, I'll tell you what it means. Okay? Are you ready? Here it is. Who's writing this? What did he do for a living before he became a Jesus follower? He was a murderer. He was a religious enforcer. Sign up for that job. Great pay. Lots of travel. God wasn't uncertain of choosing Paul. Everyone hearing this in Ephesus, the list of their offenses of God and each other was long. 
Here's the Jews. They have self-righteous hatred according to, against all the pagans in the same room because they're not Jewish enough. Pfft, look at all you heathens. Still eating bacon. You're still doing all your religious, you know, like you read all of your, you know, say all your magic words and all that kind of stuff. And it's all your self-help books and whatnot. The Jews are like, we're so much better than these pagan Christians in this church. And all the pagans are looking around and they're going, I'm so much better than this self-righteous, judgmental, hypocritical knucklehead. Look, every Christian in every church across every year of our existence, we all think the same thing when we look at each other. There's no way God's going to save them. <laughs> it's true. I mean, look at me. I am a basket case. I think that God chose me to be your pastor because... I have all of your issues crammed into the clown car of my soul, right? <laughs> and you all think, well, if God gave us and save Andy, then I think I might have some hope, right? Because literally, I, uh, like when I became a pastor, I don't even know if I believed in Jesus, but I knew that I performed. I could perform well, but I don't know if I, ever, if I even actually like trusted in faith. And I was a pastor, But God wasn't uncertain of choosing me. He never has regretted it once. And this gets something really challenging for us all. Are you ready? Here it is. We are uncertain of loving ourselves. We don't want to know the depths of our own brokenness. We don't want to admit how we feel. We don't want to admit to our anger and hatred to those who have hurt us. We don't want to look at our own rebellion. Why? Well, I don't want to admit what's going on in me. I'm happy to gloss that all over with, I'm fine, right? You know what fine, right? freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional, right? I'm fine. Like, I'm fine, right? I'm good. I'm fine. I'm fine. But I literally told you last, last week that, like, I got to pray off and out, like, lies in my life, like, literally, like, bad demonic stuff that, in which I wanted other people to experience the same pain that I went through. I mean, I wanted them to die. I mean, I didn't want to kill them. I just wanted them to, you know, like, stop living. <laughs> you know, so your pastor, he's walking around with murder. That's fine. That's great, right? Hey, Paul and I are in the same boat. Wonderful. That's me. I don't ever want to know that about me. I never want to admit what's really going on. Jesus, please help us listen and understand right now, right? I don't, I don't want to know those things, right? Why? Here's why. This is what I've discovered. I don't want God to love the broken parts of my heart because that would mean God loves the broken parts of those who have hurt me. Here's a nasty truth. Next slide. It's easier for me to hide and pretend I'm better so that I can have a God who hates those who are worse. I'm so religious and good, and you're so bad or slightly worse than me. So I'm great, and you're not, and I'm better. 
I don't have to deal with my junk. That's what we think all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. That's you, that's me, that's you, that's me, mostly you, but mainly me. Make sense? But then what does Jesus do? He just unravels us. He unravels us with his grace and mercy. He says, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm going to give you everything you don't. He chooses me, criminal me, betraying Jesus before the rooster crows three times me. And he's never uncertain of me. He's never tires of choosing me. The invitation Jesus is giving me and you is profound. I can either have a relationship with my pain, either always orientated toward it or always denying it, or I can have a relationship with my Savior who loves every beautiful and broken part of me. What do I want to do? What do I want to do with my life? So Paul is going to tell us in the coming chapters over and over and over and over again that my identity isn't my failures and it's not my wounds because I am God's beloved, chosen, and worthy child, and so are you. And that truth doesn't get just downloaded in our brain automatically. I wish that Christianity was this. You showed up to a great sermon, and then all of a sudden, you got it. And then you never had to make a choice again in your entire life. Everything was hunky-dory, and you walked around, and you just knew what to do all the time. That's what I want my life to Christian life to be. Oh, I prayed about it once. That's enough. I never have to think about it again. Nope, doesn't work that way. We get to choose every day. That's why we say today I choose. Every day you get to choose. Every day. And we will have seasons where we're like on it. We're awesome. Everything's great. And then boo, right back into martyr, anger, resentment, whatever it is, right? And then we have to keep on, like, we were like, oh my gosh, I chose all this. And then we have to, like, steer the shit back in. And we think, oh, thank goodness, I'm not choosing this. I'm choosing Jesus. Yeah, everything's fine now. Boo! Selfishness, entitlement, all the, right? Like, we did, this is life. It's okay. So I want you to, to invite you right now to make a choice with me. Here's the choice I'm inviting you to make, right? It's to tithe 10%. Because we're behind. And also, ready? It's not. Here it is. Jesus, I've tied. No, wait, 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 wait. Let me read it first so you don't, you know what you're getting into. Jesus, I've tied my soul to my wounds and to those who've hurt me. I can't live like this anymore. And I break those chains now in Jesus' name. I choose to unite my soul with you, Jesus, and you alone. I'm your beloved child. My identity is defined by you and you alone, God. I am chosen, worthy of love, and completely forgiven. If you want to do that work right now, then declare this prayer with me. Jesus, I've tried my... Uh, sorry, let me say that again. It should be tied, not tried. I misspoke. Ready? Here it is. Jesus, I've tied my soul to my wounds and to those who've hurt me. I can't live like this anymore. And I break those chains now in Jesus' name. And I choose to unite my soul with you, Jesus, and you alone. 
I'm your beloved child. My identity is defined, you and you alone. Chosen, worthy of love, and completely forgiven. Amen? Thus, Paul then writes, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of our glory. Since God saves me, since God loves me, since God wants all of me, he wants all of you, every broken and beautiful part of you. And for everyone who comes look after us, they will look at the hot mess of our lives and they will say this, dang, if Jesus can save them, then Jesus can save me, and who will get the glory? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, to the praise of whose glory? His glory. No one will look at us and go, man, they really got their life together. They'll look at us and go, man, only God could save that hot mess. And so Paul says to his people, and you also were included in Christ. When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed, read this with me, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. When you heard the truth either years ago or at this very moment that Jesus loves every part of you, that Jesus died on the cross in your place as your ransom for every part of you, the good and the bad, when you heard that, whether now for the first time or you've heard it a million times before, every time your heart leaps with hope. When you make the choice either now or have it in the past to say yes to Jesus, just like you prayed a moment ago, that's you believing. And God's response to our believing is mind-blowingly amazing. What is it? It's not a gold star. It's not an add a girl way to go. I'm gonna increase your spending limit on your card. It's not a pat on the back. It's not higher expectations. I always give that to my son for his birthday. God's response to our belief is this. God gives you his very presence, his Holy Spirit, why? Because he wants to be close to you. Because the voice of intimacy is a whisper, not a yell. The Holy Spirit is with you right now. You're united with God, fully saved, completely forgiven right now, the moment you believe. And sometimes we think that salvation is a pinnacle or the purpose of our experience with God. It's that life insurance policy that we got at the Billy Graham or the purpose-driven life or the whatever experience we had in the 90s. <laughs> For those of you that are my age or younger, you're like, I was seven. Right? <laughs> salvation is the start. It's the start of what? The same salvation process over and over, deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. How? The Holy Spirit asks you to surrender more and more and more. That's what heaven's going to be like. Why will there be no more pain? Because you will surrender everything. You think it's going to happen instantly? There's going to be hard conversations in heaven. You will then be able to forgive. 
You have all the time in heaven that you need without any of the enemy's influence, without any of the brokenness of the world for you to get the healing that you need. You'll have the time, and you will. Evil won't be there, but that doesn't mean that God takes away the humanity of our experience. So right now, your life has heaven. I should probably need that. Yeah, right? Wait. Ah, uh, here I am. This is good. This is good. Away from the wind. Right now, over your life is hanging a sign by the Holy Spirit saying, under construction. Okay? Ain't none of us are going to arrive at perfection on this earth. The Holy Spirit's job is to minister to us, to counsel us, to help us in every way, to speak us, to fill us up with healing and power and transform us more in our sleep than in our presence so that we can't take the credit. Now, it's our choice whether or not we will allow the Holy Spirit to do this work. God does, God does not force. He's a gentleman. He does not demand. He's not a tyrant. At the end of the day, surrendering to the Holy Spirit is about how much joy that you want in your life. Look, you can live in misery or not and still go to heaven. It's your choice. You can still live with the fear or not and still go to heaven. It's your choice. What do you want to do? When the Israelites were crossing the parted Red Sea and there was a wall of 40-foot water on either side and they're looking at the fish and there's dry land, some of them cross going, Woo, God, you're so awesome. Yeah, woo, all the joy in the world. Some of them cross going, We're going to die. They all got to the other side. See, your destiny, your destination is already set. God loves you. He chooses you. He wants you. You're saved. How do you want to cross? Does that make sense? Do you want to trust or not? How much joy do you want? How much joy? Andrew Murray, the wonderful pastor from South Africa who lived a long time ago, says this. May not a single moment of my life be spent outside the light, love, and joy of God's presence. Not a moment without the entire surrender of myself as a vessel for Him to fill full of His Spirit and His love. Now, the moment I hear this prayer, I think, man, I want the Holy Spirit, so I'll get busy getting rid of sin right now. But I want you to understand something. Trying to not sin is like trying to get air. Now, I'm 6'3". This is a normal-sized water bottle. Um, so how do I get the air? If air, if like the, this amount of water in the bottom is, is like the Holy Spirit of my life, and I want the Holy Spirit to fill up my life, how do I get the air out? Right? Now, some of you are good, and you already know the answer. Some of you are like, I don't know. How about, let's try this. Let's try and get the sin out first. Watch what happens to the water bottle. It becomes deformed and crushed. Does that make sense? That's what happens when you try to get the sin out of your life by working really hard and beating yourself up all the time because you messed up again. Welcome to my inner thought life. <laughs> or, or... You can say, God, I'm going to focus on you more and more. I'm going to more of you in my life. Jesus, you're, the heart, you're my heart's desire. I want more and more and more of you. And the more that you focus on Jesus, the more the Holy Spirit fills you up. And there's no room for anything else. Does that make sense? 
the focus of your life, the heartbeat of your life, isn't to try and get rid of all the bad stuff all the time. It's to surrender yourself to the one who's drawn you close to him. The Holy Spirit, verse 14, is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are in God's possession to the praise of his glory. And I know, I know you're weary. Uh, you're like the guy in Kentucky last week who recently tried to start his car only to discover upon opening the hood that his entire engine had been stolen. I don't know, sometimes it feels like that. It's like there's no start in your life. You just feel like you got no... There's nothing there. I know you're heartbroken. So many of you have been crushed by grief. What you built came crashing down like the earthquake in Morocco. Right? Addiction, other people. It's, your life has been devastated. I know it. Some of you, it didn't happen. It, some of you felt like everything just got wiped clean like the floods in Libya. Right? Like, it's just like scorched earth in your relationships or in your family. Or it's like you've lost people that you love that were your life, your kids, your husband, your wife, your family. You've lost jobs. You've lost abilities in your body. And it's just like your marriage feels like it's gone. Or it really is. And you don't, you don't know what to do. I know so many of you have been planning for celebration. And then you, it's like... Portugal last week when 2.2 million liters of red wine spilled from broken containers and there was a river of red wine flowing out. You had plans for celebration and then all of a sudden all of your best plans just spilled out and flowed away. And I know, I know, I know, I can feel the sadness. We can see it. We've heard it. We know. The Holy Spirit is the only guarantee we have in this life that God isn't finished with us. God hasn't given up on you. God never tires of choosing you. God isn't second-guessing, making you his beloved. There will be better days ahead. Now, in the heartache, in the grief, in the anxiety, in those empty moments, are the very places where the Holy Spirit wants to fill you up. Surrender. Surrender. Give more of your life. I know it's the hardest thing in the world to do is when we're in pain to surrender, to be vulnerable. We want to put our shields up, our defenses up, and harden. And I'm asking you, urging you by the Holy Spirit through this scripture to soften your heart and to say, God, please, I'm yours. I want, all I want to do is be close to you. So then Paul ends this section, verse 15, with a prayer. I'm going to end by praying this very prayer over you. Look, you have heard the power of the gospel, and you believe, and you are literally, friends, changing my life through your love. Through your generosity, you are changing so many people's lives. Margie got to give away $815, changed someone's life. Christine in the second service got to do the exact same thing. Like more miracle stories are coming. You guys, you believed and you've changed my life. And so for this reason, as I continue to hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. 
for you. And I remember you in my prayers. And here's my prayer. I ask that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Amen? Lord Jesus, bless and seal these good things in our hearts. Lord, I pray against all the enemy's plans to rob, steal, and destroy what you're doing in us right now. In Jesus' name. And pray, Father, for your protection over us, your blessing over us. Grow in us, in our conversations, whether it's at table talk or over lunch with friends or family. Grow in us more faith. Thank you that you want me. And Jesus, we surrender our hearts to you. And all God's people said, Amen. Would you please stand for the benediction? Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance that says delight in you and give you the peace that passes all understanding in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, you guys go in peace. If you want prayer, come forward. We'll pray for you. Don't forget everything you eat today is calorie free. Same with you online. Pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor of Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 1040 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Farrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.